0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Live Live. Five one double five one is our text number. The referendums are on Friday week. Des Barry is in Frankfield and Cork. Des, what's the issue, please? Joe, how are things? Good afternoon. Good, to good. You. Uh, good, good, good to talk to you. Joe, just briefly, I won't keep you long. Um, but what I'm waiting for is the information booklet. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the information booklet yet from the referendum um, I'm commission. I'm hoping to have yeah. a read of it and just to find out what the, what they're kind of what they're essentially about. And then uh, to, to make an informed decision, I suppose. So, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed. It's nine days out, eight, nine days out. So by the time you get it, read it, and have any queries answered, um, not a lot of time, unfortunately. Um, so I was on to the Electoral Commission on oh, Monday man. around then. Man, yeah. And they said that, because, uh, yeah, I, look, I, I suppose you're the last port to call. I kind of tried to talk to you first, and then, and then you tried to talk to Joe. So what I did is I rang the Electoral Commission, let them know, and they said, because I suppose I'm 40 myself, so I'd be able to look at things online, but I like having a, a, something in my hand as well to read. Um, and with online as well, I don't want to be swayed too much or anything. So thinking as well of older citizens, they might not mm. be as tech savvy, so they could be waiting on it. So I rang up, there was a lovely lady in the Electoral Commission, and she, I was speaking to her, and she said that they had given them to unpost yeah. at the end of January, and unpost were to, were to deliver them. Now, she said that she did receive hers, but she noted that she was living in the Dublin area, but she did acknowledge that there was other people had rung as well from around the country saying that they hadn't received theirs. So, again, I know unpost are, are you know, they, they have a lot to do, increased mm-hmm. online deliveries and all that, but um, it's just, uh, I tried escalating at other avenues as well, and I'm waiting to hear back from them, but unfortunately the time is kind of ticking, um, kind of ticky. Yeah, and well, I I received mine, but that's that's Dublin as well. But um, let's yeah, see. Yeah. Have, you, have you spoken to your neighbours, Des? I have. I've spoken to my neighbours. So I'd be living in the in the in in beautiful Frankfurt, lovely part of of Cork. If everyone mm. don't uh, give me a shout, you can have a visit. Um, so I live here, and it, that's the south side. So then the north side, I know people there as well of the city. They haven't received theirs, and also down uh, my mother's house. She hasn't received hers. So they'd be different postal routes. Um, and I was speaking to people in work as well today and they hadn't received theirs. So it might be something. It's just, it's just I suppose, I feel like, do you remember the, the, the tracker mortgage ad years yeah, ago yeah, when yeah, it stands yeah, up yeah, in the bus? Yeah, yeah. That's me with the referendum. I don't know what the referendums are about. So, well, so. you know what it's about. It's about 26 million euro for a start. And that's mainly, well, that's for leaflets and you've seen the, the massive billboards. Uh, around the place, um, but so it's yeah, it's you. You know, you're told about information and just to not listen to you know, you know, social media ones. So you get mm-hmm. the actual accurate information, and we've been waiting on it. Um, but there's nothing here. And again, for myself, but I'm doing it for other people as well because I suppose we all lift each other up as a nation too, and all that. So uh, you know, that kind of a way, you're just kind of other people mightn't know that this is supposed to become or whatever it might be but sure we'll just we'll just hope well, that apparently they, they printed over three million they did of yes, these leaflets did. um which yeah. is incredible well they're actually I'd and they're they're, they're, they're double that obviously they're i in one side is irish one side is uh english um 
So that's our first uh, Irish being our first language. Commission, then I feel yeah. sorry for them that if if I suppose if, if they all. But have you not heard? Time. Have you not? Have you not? Have, first of all, have you? Has anyone knocked on your door about the? Uh, the no. No, no, I haven't had anyone anyway. It's amazing. No. I've asked this almost of a lot of callers in the last week. I've yet to come across a lotto winner because it's probably as, as, as uh, rare as a lotto winner. Anyone who's had anyone knock on the door, even though it's all the main political parties are in favour of it. Now, maybe yeah, they've decided like, it's not... Um, I've been looking on eBay. I, was, I might go on eBay to see if I can get one because they seem pretty rare. So I might try and yeah, but they, Well, in fairness, one. the Electoral Commission also say if you go onto their website, you can download... And I'm aware of that, but I suppose, look, I'm 40, I still like things in my hand, but just for all, some, and I'm not saying older people can't use it, but again, when, if I, when I'm a bit older, I would hope that somebody would ring up. Okay, well, let's find it. I see someone, someone from Douglas and Cork is saying they got theirs now. Where? Well, now. Okay, that's, uh, you see, okay, yeah, yeah I... I just don't know, but um, because already uh, I've seen anyway. I've seen more signs up for for directions to polling stations than I've actually seen posters. So at least That's the, the well, it's it's the, the one great thing about this country: the people who organise the votes, um, and they're they're normally I know it's done from the Department of Local Government, etc. There's there's full time people, but the people who organise the polling stations and staff the polling stations are invariably. Um, Volunt- and not volunteers are paid for the day but they've been doing it for years and they're absolutely brilliant so I see as oh, I yeah. say I see some posters up already for polling station but you're anxious to see the see the booklet and hold it in in its in its uh, complete entity as, in as, all its glory yes, exactly all its glory. that's what I'm kind of and I suppose for, for later on if it's, it's because you know time is passing on as well hopefully we'll get one but even for future now if there's lots of people listen to your show oh, okay where's that Angela today, come so. in Angela Angela Calling Hello. Angela. Angela, where are you? Hi. I'm in Dunshoplin in County Mead, Joe. And when did you get your referendum uh, leaflet? Booklet, sorry. I didn't. Booklet. I oh, you didn't? No. What no. Have, any, have, you, have you asked your neighbours? Well, I've a couple of friends on the same estate and they haven't received... Up to last Friday now, they haven't seen them since. Well, did you get it this um, morning, they, Wednesday? No, I didn't get it this morning. Um... And a couple of other friends live in different parts of the village and they've got theirs. Okay. Yeah. I presume, I, well, I presume the Electoral Commission will, I presume there's copies in your local library or your post office. Well, I, yeah, I should never thought of doing that. I, could, I might go down there and have a look if I haven't received it. And you know, the Electoral Commission would say it's, on, it's online anyway, but people sometimes yeah. overestimate the number of people who have access online, or decent Wi-Fi or whatever. And have you had yeah. anyone, Angela? Have I? Ha- have you had anyone knock on your door about these no. referendums? No. Have you seen no. any posters? No. No, okay. not not one. Yeah. And have you heard any ra- radio or television debates? I have. Katie Hannan had one there last oh. week, and uh, watched that, and a couple of things on Claire Byrne, and yeah, and and still as as no. 
I'm still no, out don't, there. Don't, don't tell me, yeah, don't tell me what way you're voting because then I have to completely oh, no. upend the programme and I have to get someone no. that's the exact opposite of you in every single particular yeah, way yeah. or else no, I'll, I'll be dra- dragged I'm before the Electoral Commission up in Dublin Castle and I'd be yeah. rotted away. No, no, I don't want to know what way you vote. You voted. You, no. haven't, you haven't seen a poster. You have heard some radio debates. Um, yeah. Have you seen a, a, a political party poster up for it? No. Okay. And you've had no one knock on your door? No. Okay. No. It really no, is becoming no, the ghost referendum, isn't it? Yeah, and so much money being spent on it, you know, it's just... Okay, we won't... Know, do, yeah. Okay, we won't yeah. go into that. Okay, Des. No. Angela, so that's done Shockland and in County Mead. We'll try and find out if if local libraries, who are such an important treasure in our community oh, yeah, getting yeah. getting more important by the day let's see if any of them have it okay des thanks indeed des barry and angel De- des have you tried the new dunkettle roundabout yet oh joe joe one second before what? i go joe joe yes. just a, joe do you want to hear a quick joke i have it's a clean one it's yes, very good you have no choice obviously all right joe what's the difference between an egg and live line oh good luck you can beat an egg, but you can't beat life. Oh, like, take come away, on no. yourself. Oh, Des. Des, you're being... Have you... Have you maybe the, 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 the leaflets are stuck and they don't kettle around about. OK, Michael. Good afternoon, Michael. Hello, Joe. Good, good man. Because we've heard so much in the last few months and that's that's the truth of it, we're told. The Minister for Higher Education, Simon Harris, probably the best communicator in the government, has been on numerous times saying how he's pumping, well, we are, but how we, through his department, mm-hmm. pumping more money into apprenticeships, significant increase, never been as much money invested in apprenticeships. Um, what's, your, what's your story, Michael? You are an apprentice. Yeah, I am an apprentice, yeah, and I have been for the last three and a half years. Um, an apprenticeship is meant to take four years. There's seven phases, three of which are in college. Okay. Um, I'm three and a half years in, and I'm only in my phase three um, I was waiting 18 months for my phase two as opposed to the six months that it's sold as. Uh, and I'll be looking at about 20 months to get into my phase four as opposed to the six months. My phase six at the minute, I don't know how long it's going to take okay, so, uh, to get into it. So, so spool back there. So the, uh, people mm. would think if you say it's a four-year course, they think it's like a, a university course, even though it's, yeah. often, it's often better in terms of uh, your contribution to society, even though we know everyone yeah. contributes. But, um, Michael, you're saying when you do a four-year apprenticeship, it's not sequential. No, no, it's 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 all of the four-year apprenticeship, but um, I'm, I'm kind of looking at six years with the timeline. Uh, and I'm not the only one. Every apprentice I've spoken to has had delays. The delays are only getting into the college phases of the apprenticeship. Okay, so how long do you think it will take you for to complete your apprenticeship? At the rate I'd be moving now, it's it's looking to be six years. I forgot. Five and a half, five and a half, six years. And how long? And and it's advertised as four. Yes, yeah, yeah, and and you can't get any concise answers from uh, from Solace or the education training boards. There's no there's ideas and plans put in place, but there's no concrete solutions. You know, you've you, you've you've got really a lack of control over your own life. Um, you know, my life has been affected. My relationships have been affected. My Why? partner's well, well, working ex- on planning. Well, explain that to me, Michael. Is it because you have to travel yeah. around the country, or no, no, no it's, okay. It's, so if you sign up for a four-year apprenticeship, you you expect to be qualified after four years, and then you can start organising where you want to go, yeah. you know, if you want to travel, whatever you want to do with your life. Yeah. Um, which you can't do. I don't know when I'm going to college. I I can't start planning, you know, my future before I get my qualification. 
you know, so you can either sit and wait and hope that somebody has an answer or you can quit and leave with nothing after so what? three and a half years. So, so you do on the job and off the job? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so there's four phases on the job, yeah. Okay, so what? where is the delay? Uh, with college phases. So th- the three phases in college, um, you know, so it just can't seem to facilitate the, the college phases. Um, it's a, it is a disaster. Why, and why can't you anticipate them? Why can't I? I'd love to be able no, to why can't them, why, why can't one? Why, why aren't they anticipatable? Yeah, well, this is the question I'm asking you. There should be a, there should be direct answers. There should be a list, you know. But saying, if you're due to start next Monday week or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when did it come to you and say, oh, actually, it's not going to start next Monday week? Yeah, well, put it this way. I sent an email last September um, and I was told to get back to them in October. They have a clear timeline. October, I was told November. November, I was told I'd be going to college in January, which was then pushed off to April, which was then pushed off to August of this year. Good God. And did it say why? Yeah. Uh, no. No. There's no lectures, there's no facilities, as, as, as far as I can tell. I know COVID would be, um, would be the, the, the main point that Solis will, will talk about, but it's, it's a lack of lectures and facilities. The, the plan is, I believe, to get 10,000 new apprentices this year to sign up. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can't facilitate the twenty-seven thousand, they have, you know, I, I, I have no idea how they'll um, how they'll operate with an extra ten thousand apprentices. As of the end of January, the apprenticeship population was twenty-seven thousand, of which mm-hmm. twenty-two thousand were craft apprentices. Does that make yeah. sense to you? Yeah, yeah. A craft apprentice would be saying in construction, plumber, electrician, carpenter. And say the backlog only applies to craft apprenticeships. I, I'm not sure. I'm, I am a, a craft apprentice myself, and I, I do know everyone I've talked to, whether electrician, plumbers, fitters, you know, they're, they're all backlogged. I was talking to a young lad today um, who's been waiting, again, 18 months for his phase two. Uh, he's on the verge of quitting. You know, I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've talked to plenty of apprentices over the last couple of weeks. They're all in the same boat. They're talking and about then, immigrating. They're talking about quitting. Yeah, Michael, you say at one stage, I've had sleepless nights yeah. and massive stress, and I've said to my family, I'm just giving this up. Which was very disappointing for them to hear. Um, it would be the first time over the last three and a half years they've heard that. Um, I'm a mental health first aider on site. Good lad. Uh, mental, Good lad. Health, mental health and construction is, you know, it's a silent epidemic. Yeah, well um, done. As a construction worker, you're, I think, three times more likely to commit suicide than wow. the average. The average Joe Soap, you're five times more likely to commit suicide. Okay. And somebody in a, in a um, sorry, five times more likely to commit suicide than somebody. Just having a health and safety issue on site. Um, and the, the most vulnerable, the youngest, the least paid men and women uh, in construction, you know, they don't have a voice. They don't have control. They don't get answers. There's no concise plans, no concrete solutions. And then when you um, when you say you're, you're the next stage of your uh, off-site apprenticeship training, which is obviously very important, it keeps yeah. being postponed, postponed, postponed. What happens then? You just stay in your job, but you stay at the same level and the same pay. No, in fairness, in, fairness, in my situation, my company okay. has been fantastic. They are looking after Brilliant. me in whatever way Brilliant. they can. They, they, they are being very good to me. So they have brought my wage up to, to a fourth-year aid because I'm in my fourth year. Now, I, I'm not speaking for every apprentice. You know, most companies, if you're a phase three, you're getting paid a phase three rate un- until you have your your, your um, exams done for phase four. 
So in, in my situation, that isn't an issue, but I, I'm not talking for the for the population when I say that. I understand that, but your your story is important in itself. Because, Michael, um, you, you know the debate about housing. Every day the government have been lashed left, right and centre. But yeah. you're like, where? How can we build houses if we don't have apprentices coming through? And we can't. Exactly. Ma- I presume we can't yeah. magic uh, trainers out of the thin air, can we? No, 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 no. Um, it, it's been tried. I, I think I, I know an issue might be the salary. Now, look, I, I'm not at a, I'm not at a place where I'd look to be a lecturer over uh, any craft trade. I know people who are, uh, and they. They wouldn't leave the money that they get on site on their tools for the money that's being paid to become a lecturer. I understand. Um, oh, I know what you mean, yeah. You're depending, yeah. okay. The lecturers, almost by definition, have to have on site training and they have, they have to be yeah. quite, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I you're saying so, the yeah. money on the site is is too attractive compared to the money you might get if you're lecturing. Exactly, yeah, because when you have, you know, when you have overtime on yeah, site, yeah, you, yeah. You, you can make whatever money you want, if, if you know what I mean. You know, it's not just a nine to five. Um, and, and yeah, that, that, that money would be, would be a lot better than what you would get as a, as a lecturer uh, in Solace. Now, again, that, that, that's not, you know, I'm not at the stage where I'd be looking to become a lecturer or anything like that, but I, I, know, I, I do know, believe I know. that's a, 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 a big issue, yeah. Yeah, because you know, I don't know what, what part of the country you're in, Michael, but I, when I come into work every day, I travel, and I've been counting, for example, the, you know the Irish Glass Bottle site in Ringsend in Dublin, near Pool yeah, Beg there? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, yeah. Where Rowan, Johnny Rowan is building. It's a new city, really. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. There's four blocks currently in construction. They're going up. Each one of them is going up a floor a week. A floor a week, I'm counting. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah, they're the boys w- are busy. <laughs> Michael, when that's finished, that will have 3,800 apartments, okay? Oh, yeah. Units. When Crumlin yeah. and Ballyfermot was built in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, like Crumlin had 5,000 units. So they're building mm. a new suburb down there. But where are the people, yeah. where are the workers coming from? Where will they come from? Well, it's, yeah, it's where will they come from in the future um, is, it w- would be the big issue. Um, I'm not sure where they're coming from now. I, I, I know, say, I have worked with, with a couple of, of unskilled, you know, men d- d- doing a skilled job. As I said, I, I, I don't really know where the workers are coming from. Um, but it will it will be an issue in the future and, and maybe even is an issue now, you, you know, to get qualified uh, Irish mm-hmm. tradesmen. Uh, uh, tradesmen and women. Sorry, Joe. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you go out. You go out North Dublin, where I was last Saturday, and you just drive around. And it's I know North Dublin is flat, so the city's expanding out that way rather than South Dublin. But there's yeah. there's countless thousands of new apartments being built. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of work in Dublin at the minute, even with the the big data centres and, and pharmaceutical plants. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Limerick yeah. and Cork and and, and Dublin, there, there is a lot of work at the minute. So in one, so it, it's almost a catch twenty. No, it's not a total catch twenty, but it's almost a catch twenty two because you're saying the people that the the, the craftsmen and women who could become trainers, it's too lucrative. It's too it's it's disadvantaged. They would be disadvantaged becoming a trainer because there's no way they could match the money they're getting on the busy exactly. sites. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, is there um, any is there, is there any way like? Is there any way round it online, Zoom? I don't know. Is there any way bring in people from the UK? 
You see, there could be. Well, what, what I was kind of hoping is that if, if you've served your, your, your four years, that, that possibly your, um, your, your company could sign you off as a competent tradesperson, you know, um, mm-hmm. without doing, I know it's without doing the college side of things, but if you're, if you're working in an industry for four years uh, with skilled tradesmen, okay. um, you know, if you're a competent tradesperson, you're a competent tradesperson. Now, I know that's nice to be backed up with theory, but if they can't facilitate mm. the theory side of things, you know, that, that, that's not my fault. Or that's not an apprentice's fault. But you're, but but do we not want to know, Michael, that a, a, an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter or a pipe layer or a roofer or a block layer is, is competent at their job? A hundred percent. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. But I, I don't think it should be... You know, my life okay. shouldn't take the hit. Yeah, yeah, because of... Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. By the way, what what would your boss say? Do you think your boss would go along with that, would say, I am prepared to to say that, not to put you in a situation, but um, Michael, Michael, as far as I'm concerned, he's now so far advanced, he will, could, he will uh, continue his course as soon as he's, as soon as, ava- as it's available. It's not that you don't want to. It's not available. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, it's not available. Um, yeah. And you're saying in the meantime, they should be able to say you're a qualified whatever. Well, that, that, that's the solution that I can come up with because I, I can't see another. If if the if the, the college and the theory end of it aren't available, again, that's that, that shouldn't be my life that suffers, and, and every apprentice in Ireland, their life shouldn't suffer, be put on hold. You know. Um, because of you know nobody's accountable nobody's putting up their hand and saying look I made a mistake there it's 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 my fault that these lads are so far behind um, you know it's it's and it's the lack of it's the lack of communication as well Joe mm. you know if, if, there's no direct answers there's no nobody um, there's nobody coordinating correspondence with apprentices because the phone calls I've made at the solace I've you know I've been in touch with a lot of apprentices who are completely in the dark yeah, and the sequence is just for listeners. If you can, if you can think of these seven, seven challenges or seven hurdles. The first is to become an apprentice in whatever craft. The first one is um, on the job. That's three months. That's phase one. Yeah. You we do took that. Me eighteen months. Yeah. Uh, sorry. That took me eighteen months to complete. Phase two is twenty-two weeks off the job. Mm-hmm. Then you go back to your job for six months. Yeah. On the job, then you go off the job for 12, 11 weeks. That's stage yeah. four. Then you go back onto your job for stage five. That's six months. Then you go off the job, uh, and and these you you can't skip any of these. Uh, phase six. That's for eleven weeks again, and then you're back on the job for three months. And you were saying that's going to take you five and a half years. Well, with the timeline you gave yeah, me there yeah. for, for to, to where I am now, phase one, which is meant to take three months, took me eighteen months. Uh, phase two, obviously, in college, t- took the twenty-two weeks. Uh, phase three. And which why is did phase to, one take you eighteen months? <laughs> I, I don't have the answer to that. I don't have the answer to that the college was not available for oh, me. Oh, sorry, sorry, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You did. You did your three months, but then you were waiting fifteen months to get onto yeah. stage two. Mother of God. Yeah. And then in my phase three, which is going to be six months, I'm looking at about 20, 21 months before I get to college. So you did your six months and then you yeah. waited 15 months to get onto stage four. Mm. Well, I haven't At least, at four, least, yes. I know, I yeah, know. At least, yeah. yeah. Wow. 
So that's a situation we're in, Joe, at the minute. It's a disaster, and it and it does it does, it does affect people's lives. You know, it affects relationships. It it affects my own relationship. You know, it affects family life. It, it affects every aspect of your life. You just don't have any control. And you're saying you get stressed because you're saying, when am I ever going to finish this? I yeah. need. It's not. It's not an optional. Yeah. These these uh, twenty two. Uh, 34, uh, 46 weeks in in off-the-job training um, are just not available for, in your particular craft but with, with a long waiting list. Seems awful. Yeah. Colette, good afternoon. Joe at RT.ie, uh, 51551. You're talking about your son. Yes, hi, Joe. Um, yes, my son is 19 and started his apprenticeship in August, or actually in, in July, after he finished his leaving cert. And he absolutely adores it. Um, but the pay is obviously quite low because he's in his first year. And at Christmas, uh, he went in just two weeks before Christmas and he was told that there would be a minimum of 18 months to two years waiting before he would get to college. Oh, for God's sake. His situation then is slightly more complex because there are two um, first-year apprenticeships. So obviously his employer can't afford to let the two go at the same time. Yeah. So there is a possibility then that he will be further down the road so it'll I he kind of expects it will be at least two years so that means then his apprenticeship instead of taking four years I believe will probably take six years wow and what type yeah. of money is he on well he's on 285 euro a week which is slightly there is a union rate but that's if you're in one of the you know the if, if your employer is a larger employer and they're unionized so he's he's on two hundred and eighty five euro a week now. Which, he is, was, is, which is the minimum wage, is it not? It's not the minimum wage. No, the minimum, that's he's on seven sixty an hour. Minimum wage is thirteen seventy. And why isn't um, he on thirteen seventy? Because that's that's well, they're 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 training. So okay, they're, they're classified they're, they're not, as students. They're classified and trained, and they are. You know, to be fair, there is a yeah, huge amount yeah, of training. They can't go in and be. They can't go in and you know be able to do everything. And there yeah, is a huge that, amount of on the job training. Um, but it just means then that. Well, I bet you, you what know, they're doing is worth twelve seventy an hour. Fourteen uh, seventy, maybe not oh, okay. in their first six months. You know, to be right. fair, but but certainly I would think after a year they're certainly worth a lot more. But you you don't get you know the money doesn't increase properly until you're in your third year. Yeah. Um. So that just means then he'll be in his he'll be working five years. Um. Which from a from a yeah. cost you know like he needs a car. Um, that has to be paid for. The insurance, obviously, for a 19-year-old is enormous. Um, mm. You know, so, you know, they're reliant really on parents then to, to subsidise them reasonably heavily at that age. Um, so it, it's it's challenging. Um, can, by the way, Colette, and Michael as well, either of you, Michael, do you know, can, can an employer pay you more than 790? Oh, they can pay you whatever they want, yes, of course. Can, can they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Michael? Yeah, oh, that's great. yeah as, as far as I know, they can, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, it, it, would be, it would be a thing, every, everyone knows the first year rate is quite low, the second yeah, year rate is yeah. also quite low. When you get into third, fourth year, that's when, you're, when, when your money starts going up. I think in, in fourth year, you're up at 85% of the, the qualified rate. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the, the first, year, the first two years year, are difficult. Years. Yeah. That's a, Michael, that sounds like people would. I see here someone said, her, my nephew quit. Uh, his electrician apprenticeship and joined the army, which is brilliant. Joined the army, but an electrician. Well, hopefully, he does electrician's uh, apprenticeship in in the army as well. But an electrician, is such a skill, such an yeah. incredible skill. Well, all those crafts are. As yeah. we're now, and Joe, Joe my, my question would be: How much time did that young lad? 
spend yeah. out of his life to walk yeah. away with nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. why why did he have to do that? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you were saying, Colette, in your the employer with has two apprenticeships at the minute. One of them is yes, your son. Yeah. And if if he's called, if they're told together that the yeah. twenty two week phase two is available. Yeah say, yeah. in six months' time, he can't let both of them go at the same no. time, which means one of them could be goes to the back of the queue. Yes, and he, my son is second, so he's the person at the back of the I queue. I understand, which, yeah. You know, and and if, no, he's fine with that, and he completely yeah. understands that. And I suppose, you know, we're in a position that he, you know, if, yeah, if, but if how does an opportunity he's, come up elsewhere... Yeah, but Colette, how, does he, how does he survive on such a low money? He doesn't. He doesn't the exactly. bank of mum and dad, I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I suppose that raises other issues, really, in that, well, we're treating him like he was in college. So, we, you know, if he had been to college, we would have had to pay oh, OK, OK. So okay. I'm kind of treating him like he's in college. But I was hoping I'd only be treating him as he is in college for four years. I don't particularly yeah. want to have him on the books for six years. <laughs> well, uh, well, hang on. A lot of people in college can get a grant. Yes, but not when your parents are both working. I know that, I know that, I know. But yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot more. It's a lot. The grant system in my day was non-existent. No matter how, no matter yes, what your means, well, yeah. what your means were. Yeah. But it seems to have improved dramatically. But anyway, you can get a, Some people can get a grant of college, but you can't get a grant if you're an apprentice, can you? No, you can't. No, no. and even with the new children's allowance, um, it's yeah. coming in for eighteen-year-olds. That yeah. won't apply to apprenticeships, which I think is very wrong. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. It does not apply to. It's only if you're in full-time education. Ah, oh, come on. Yeah. Ah, so come you're on. You're not classed full time education. Because you're on the job, off the job. You're yeah. on the job, then you're queuing to yeah. get off the job. Correct, yeah. And then you you go back, when you eventually get on the, to the top of the queue and get do your off the job training, then you go back on the job and then you're queuing again to get off the job. Yeah. And you're told you, you, you can't get, if you're 17, you can't, your parents can't get the children's allowance. Yeah, if you're 18, yeah. yeah. Well, so the new thing that comes in won't apply. Yeah. Well, that's unfair, isn't it, in the world yeah, we're living that is, in? Yeah, I don't think they really thought that through properly, as with a lot of things that happen, I'm afraid. Apparently, Michael, that that apprentice electrician quit after three years. Yeah. That's that's yeah. that's savage, isn't it? It's a disaster, and that's, that, that's you know, I'm three and a half years in, and that's uh, it's kind of a decision I'm looking at as well, to be honest. Yeah, well, um, and if you do, if you do quit, you walk away with nothing. You go back to square one after after struggling too, as, as Colette's son is doing now, struggling mm-hmm. through the first couple of years at a very very low wage. Yeah, and, like you, uh, you, you have to subsidise. Like the only way you, you know people can afford mm-hmm. to do an apprenticeship now is if their parents are subsidising them. That there is no other way. Yeah, there really isn't. And has anyone lobbied for apprentices to get the same? Same treatment, in, for example, in children's allowance as a full-time student. Well, I, I, I did know, who forward would, it. Who would, who yeah. would, yeah, who would, I, I, yeah. It, it, it is, I did oh, okay. email um, um, a politician, but I didn't hear back. But okay. It is something that needs to be in, highlighted, really. Has anyone knocked on your door for the referendums? No, not a person, you, not a you could, you could raise it with them. Michael, yeah. anyone knocked on your door for the referendums tomorrow week or till yeah, Friday oh, week? Yeah, I, I'm never at home, I couldn't tell you. I'm always on the job. <laughs> <laughs> Good lad. And come here, what, do, what does your, um, what does your um, work in, in mental health on a, on a building site? Now, I said it here a few months ago 
um, it's very unusual for a, when a group of lads are together, regardless of age, for anyone to say, how's your mental health? It happened yeah. recently in, in a group. I was a small group, which was great, which was great. Um, what, what, how, do you, how do you open that conversation on the building site, Michael? Yeah, it's, it's not the easiest. Um, now, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of lads from site listening to this at the minute. I go to therapy every week and I'm very open about it and, and, and people can stop and talk to me about it. But really, a mental health first aider is just a signpost. Somebody to, to Lighthouse is a great company. They're 24-7 yeah. um, line, for, for specifically for construction workers. Oh, very good. It can be difficult. It can be taboo. I have had issues, you know, in the past with going mm. to meetings. And, and, you know, I have had some issues, but in fairness... You know, it's been fairly well... Um, and how did you get involved? How did you get involved in that end of it? Which is brilliant. Yeah, how did I get involved? Well, there was just, yeah. I was asked, do I want to do a course? There was, I think they were nominating people from the from the companies to, to do the course. And I think I got nominated or I got asked that I want to do the course. I think it was a three or four day course with the refreshers every every six months or so. Well done. Well um, done. Sorry, Joe, I was just getting, getting another phone call there. But no, okay. it, it, it's very, very, very important, um, very important on site to uh, to talk about it. You know, there's, there's uh, I don't know, is it 90% men on site? You know, yeah, it can be, yeah. there can be a bit of an attitude around it, but I think, you know, if you just walk over and give someone a hug, Joe, it'll put put a bit of a smile on their face, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're brighten mean? up the Mondays a bit, they're, yeah. you know, early starts and long days, a lot of people are away from their family. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it can be yeah. very stressful work as well. Could be um, up at five, travelling to be to meet a load of other lads and at yeah, the at the side yeah. of a motorway and then sharing the journey and then yeah. wrecked come well, out. People, people getting up at half three in the morning and then wow. they work third till seven in the evening and they'll drive wow. home again. Wow. You know, it, 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 it can be quite physically and, and mentally tasking at times. Okay, what's the name of that, that phone line again, Michael, for building workers? Uh, I don't actually have the, the phone number, yeah. it's Lighthouse. Lighthouse, yeah, Lighthouse. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And who runs that? specifically for construction workers in Ireland Brilliant. Um, okay yeah yeah light, lighthouse uh, crisis line 27 um uh, well I'm looking at one in the UK 20 yeah okay okay we'll get we'll get the number be- before the end of the program Michael st- steady and stay try and stay the course but I understand it's, it's all right me saying it to you the age I'm at but um try and stay the course but and uh, Colette try and ca- I know you have enough to be doing but if anyone does knock on your door in the next eight days say it to them that that's, that's yeah, so yeah. unfair yeah, about apprentices not getting a little bit of a boost so unfair yeah. given yeah. given how valuable they are yes and absolutely. by the way and, and how and how a lot of them uh, love the, love their job love their job and they're good at their job and they're they're vital vital OK, Michael and Clare, Gurry Milamaga, Joe at rt.ie, 51551, text. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. We were happy on Monday, very happy indeed, actually, at half two when we got the call from Patricia saying that her son's violin with bow, with a container, had been missing since the 7th of January believe it or not, since the beginning of the year and she tried absolutely everything. He left her behind in a taxi and um, what happened was uh, in a taxi uh, there was a man listening and he recognised the name of the taxi driver. Okay? And he 
phoned us with the name of the taxi driver. He said, I know a lovely Romanian, uh, of a Romanian by birth, but 20 years in Ireland, new Irish. And um, he's a taxi driver. His name is Ian. And we got his number. And then we rang Ian and we said, Ian, are you, do you have the violin? He said, yeah. And I was wondering, how do I get it back to the... And that was the end of it. We got the violin back, which was absolutely magnificent. Now, we have a much harder task. Joe Mooney is involved in the Sean O'Casey Centre in East Wall in Dublin, the Sean O'Casey Festival in East Wall in Dublin, the Sean O'Casey, everything in East Wall in Dublin. Joe, good afternoon. What are you looking for, Joe? How are you, Joe? Um, well, as you know, every year we have the Sean O'Casey Festival in yeah. the Sean O'Casey Theatre, in the community where Sean O'Casey lived for the longest period of his life in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we'd love to do this year is to put on the play um, Red Roses for me. Okay. It's never been put on locally. It's one of the lesser performed uh, plays that he has written. Okay. But for us, it's really, really important because of all his plays, it's the one that's most set in East Wall, North Wall and the Docklands. Okay. And it's his most autobiographical play. So we would love to put it on. We're not able to do it ourselves this year, but we would love if somebody was to come forward and work with us to put on a production of it. And it's a simple request, and I really think we can manage that by September. Well, tell us a little bit about the play. Like, is it a one-act play? Is it three? How long is the play? If we were to try and get people to do it, how much rehearsal would they need? The issue is, and... um, or one of the issues is, it's one of the lesser-known plays, so people yeah. wouldn't be familiar with it the way they would be with, say, Shadow of a Gunman, The Play on Stars. It, it, it's a full play. and well, has four quite acts, a large, yeah. uh, The story is, it's set during, not the 1913 lockout, which is often said, it's set during the 1911 rail strike. Okay. It's about a young man who uh, is interested in the arts. He's a, he's a working-class man, mm-hmm. works on the railway, and there's a strike brewing, and he gets involved with the strike. He also, there's the complication that the, the young man is Protestant, his girlfriend is Catholic, and there's the conflict around that. Okay. And it, it's a brilliant play. It's really, really set in this community, and it has mm-hmm. a lot of O'Casey's life in it. All those elements I just mentioned in the play are straight out of O'Casey's life. But it, it's not, unfortunately, it's not. I don't act, I don't direct, but I do know it's not considered an easy play to do, unfortunately. Any idea why? Is that the number of parts? Is that... Because... Yeah, it's a long play, uh, a lot of dialogue, and as sometimes, as you know from O'Casey, he would be quite, uh, how would I put it, um, eloquent in his words, and people just consider it's a bit more difficult to do. And again, I think also the lack of familiarity with it, it's not one that yeah. people have seen or read many times. And are we aware of any amateur dramatic society in Ireland having put out? That's what you're asking. Has anyone put on red roses for me? Is anyone willing to have a go at it? No, it's a big ask. Absolutely, it is. But as you know yourself, Joe, you've been down at the festival mm-hmm. and you've seen the production we've put on. Brilliant, yeah. Everything Brilliant we theater. have done down through the years has been high quality. Um, I particularly think back when the local variety group put on, um, what would you call it, um, sorry, The Risen People Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. in 2013 on the centenary of the lockout, the President of Ireland came along mm-hmm. and we were told afterwards it was the best production anyone had seen of the play. Okay. The people who stand on the stage in the Channel Casey Theatre and did so in St. Joseph's School before that when that was the stage we had, have always put on top class productions of O'Casey or any other play they've ever attempted. Yeah. So, 
I, I, I think it's something that we can do, but we're not in the position, unfortunately, to put it on ourselves this year as we have done in the past. And if anyone wants to step up, it would be brilliant to, for us to collaborate with them. Because as you know, uh, and there is some people, of course, it's written by James Plunkett. I'm just wondering, James Plunkett was a follower of Larkin. He knew, because I interviewed the great Jimmy Plunkett once. He knew, he knew James Larkin. I just wondered, did Jimmy Plunkett know Sean O'Casey? Jimmy Plunkett of Strumpet City. But anyway, that's, that's an aside which I'm notorious for uh, travelling down before I, uh, after I see the cul-de-sac sign. But um, anyway, Joe, Red Roses for me. Um, and this year, well, last year, the Druid did those magnificent production of the, the trilogy, uh, Shot of a Gunman, Juno and the Paycock, The Plough and the Stars, not in that sequence. And um, they went, they were completely booked out, completely. And I know Shadow was coming back to the gaiety in the next few weeks, which will be uh, magnificent. Um, is, that, is that one of the problems with O'Casey, that everything seems to reside around that magnificent trilogy? Yeah, that is certainly an issue. And ourselves, I mean, on many occasions, the, the, the classic players would have been on stage in East Wall. Um, and one of the things we have set out to do with the, with the festival is, as well as putting on productions and shows that mm-hmm. would be in the spirit of O'Casey, would be to try and touch some of the lesser-known ones. Um, mm. And that is an issue. The, the three classic plays are, as you say, they are the classic plays, so I can understand why people return to them again and again. But uh, we would like to put on different plays, and I'd like to see other ones um, being produced. Um, the Silver Tassie, after the trilogy, which, of course, were set during the, the rise in the War of Independence and Civil War, O'Casey tried to tackle the next big trauma from that era which was the First World War um, didn't go mm. so well the album yeah, didn't yeah. accept it and it would end up being premiered in England but I think that play should be out there more because that deals with working class Dubliners caught up mm. in the terrible European conflict of the Great War and I think at the time it might have been a bit too much for um, the likely Yates to put on but we've moved on and I think that's a play that needs to be revisited and when you look at the conflict in the world today and what's going on it's as relevant as it was as at all point. of these yeah, yeah. when they were written. And as we know, Casey turned his turned his back on on physical force, as we know from the plow and the stars, and he was he suffered far. But he also turned his back on the church, and he suffered more because of, because of that. Um, so it's red roses for me. It's, I'm just wondering. There are three magnificent radio productions here in our archive of Juno and the Paycock, the Plow and the Stars, and Shadow of a Gunman. Um, now I don't know what the the copyright issue is, but um, they are they are the the uh, productions. I just wonder. We must ask Kevin uh, Kevin Reynolds or Kevin Brew. Are there, is there a production of Red Roses for me done by the RTE Radio uh, Drama Group back in the day when they were the most magnificent uh, group of players you'd ever come across? We'll try and find out. Stay with us, Joe. Back after this break, Joe at RTE.ie five one double five one text. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Let's hear, because I know Paul O'Brien is coming on next, and I know, Joe, from from your crusade, your lifelong crusade, that um, Sean O'Casey doesn't get the um, just doesn't get the credit he deserves in Ireland. For example, I was I visited the Museum of Literature there on the um, the south side of St Stephen's Green, and uh, I was shocked, shocked to see Sean O'Casey's name wasn't on the Wall of Fame. 
Now, I hope they rectified it in the media. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. And there was contemporary writers uh, who deserved to be there, Roddy and, and Kevin, Kevin Barry and all of But Sean O'Casey's name was missing, which uh, I left in high dudgeon because I love him. I, I love him so much. It's the first book ever in our... I ever found in our house and I realised that my father... He was born in 1926, uh, would have known O'Casey. That's why he loved him so much. And I think I have I've a big collection of O'Casey's books. I think I have one of the best collections of it. So I must look up Red Roses for me when I go home uh, this evening. This is from the RT Radio Drama Players production of Juno and the Peacock. It's from 1953, listeners. Uh, this is Joxer and Captain Boyle. And if you can tell me who Joxer and Captain Boyle are, you're a better man than I am. Go ahead, me old Sagosha. Come along, Jackson, my younger son. Come along, come on, that's it. Oh, you, be you. you be yourself, huh? Come on in, come on in. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm master now and I'm going to remain master. I just dropped in with a three pounds five that Mrs. Madigan is on the blankets on table for you. And she says you're to be in no hurry paying it back. Well, no, she won't have long to wait for doubters. I expect the first check for a couple of hundred any day. And uh, here, Jack, sir, there's, there's, there's oh, five oh, pounds. No, I'll go on, take it, man. Take it, take it. Yeah. And it'll not be the last that you'll get from the captain. Now and again we have our differ, but we're together all the time. Me for you and you for me, like the two musketeers, huh? Father, father, stop me today and tell me how glad he was that I, I, uh, I fell in for the money. Hmm, he'd be stopping you often enough now. I suppose it was Mr. Boyle, was him? He shook me be the hand, Jack, sir. <laughs> I mess with Napper's hands, and he shook me be the hand. Uh, well, now you're, uh, you're seldom astray, Jack, sir, but you're wrong ship this time. What you were saying, a father fiddle, is very near to blasphemy. Now, I, I, I don't like anyone to talk disrespectful of Father Fiddle. Ah, oh, you're taking me up wrong, Captain. I wouldn't let a word be said again, Father Fiddle. The heart of the world, that's what he is. Oh, yeah, we said he was a darling man, a darling man. A darling man, he sure was a darling. Brilliant, I love it. I love it from beginning to end. Um, I don't know, who, who was... Was it was Brandon Caulfield... Was it Peter Dix? I don't know who, maybe people, it's 1953, it's 70 years ago, 71 years ago at this stage. Um, uh, the RTE production, they are jewels, they are gems and we need to get them out there again. They should be up online, Absolutely. free to, free to uh, Irish, anyone who wants to hear them because they are such gems. Paul O'Brien, Paul, good afternoon. You're the latest biographer, or sorry, the most recent biographer, Sean O'Casey, Christopher Simons um, did, did some magnificent tomes. Uh, Paul, do you stand by what Joe was saying and what, I, what I'm putting words in Joe's mouth that O'Casey doesn't doesn't get the accolades he deserves here. Next Sunday, by the way, is the one hundredth anniversary of the first production of Juno and the Peacock in the Abbey. Well, the old Abbey in uh, what's now Pier Street in Dublin it wasn't Pier Street then. It was uh, what was it called? What was it called? The Queen's. Uh, yeah, but the, but the uh, street, what was it called before? Brunswick Street, Brunswick Street, Brunswick, Brunswick Street. Street. Hey, okay, yeah. Paul, uh, oh, Casey is, doesn't get the accolade he deserves. Discuss. Oh, uh, yes, I, I'd absolutely agree with that. <clears throat> and I think Joe's suggestion of putting on red roses is a great idea. One of the things which I do emphasise towards the end of my book when I'm reflecting on OKC is how little attention has been played, paid to the later plays. Okay. I mean, there are at least six or seven plays that... Uh, 
never receive a, a, a production at all in Ireland or, or mm. elsewhere. And, and I think, given that every time the Abbey is short of funds, they go back to one of the three classic plays, the Abbey owes O'Casey a production of those plays. People would like to see them, I think, just to see what uh, a great artist, a great writer, mm. a great dramatist that O'Casey is. Um, uh, ju- just one other thing, talk- talking about what Joe suggested. Um, I-, I saw Red Roses for me, uh, some uh, amateur, semi-amateur group did it in Liberty Hall about 30 years ago. And it is certainly worth doing, certainly worth doing. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a difficult play because of um, the, you know, at that stage, he was he, he was influenced by the German uh, impressionist uh, ideas in terms of how the play is structured. So in terms of lighting and set design, it is mm-hmm. a difficult play to actually do. Uh, so I think trying to get an outside group to do it is, is a great idea. Now, the fact that, uh, oh, Casey, when the Abbey rejected his later plays, Ernest Blyde and Yates had some involvement in it as well, and then McQuaid's band, or the Church Band, didn't they pull out of the Theatre Festival because... Theatre Festival in 1958, yes, they, they did indeed. It's hard to believe. Uh, it is oh, where, where, we, where, we, where we write in our head. That I the, know. The, an, a, a, a drama festival in 1958 in Dublin... The capital, yeah. an independent capital, that because yeah. John Charles McQuaid uh, didn't like one of Sean O'Casey, I think he ob- objected to a Samuel Beckett play as well, but he ob- objected he to a Sean O'Casey play and he refused, he refused to allow a votive mass be celebrated before at the opening of the festival, that the whole thing was abandoned and it was yeah. abandoned and it was abandoned with gusto. Because the Lord I Mayor, I think some of the newspapers and even some of the trade unions agreed with John Charles Mad McQuaid. Yeah. yeah. The Dublin Council of Trade Unions wrote a letter uh, calling on the Archbishop to uh, come out against it. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 when you, I mean, I was alive at that time, but, uh, you know, and, um, you know, you think back, God, how far we have come. And yeah. certainly, O'Casey was very important I'm not saying central to it, but he was very much a lone voice speaking out against what was going on in the church, speaking yeah, out against yeah. what was going on, you know, in, in these institutions where women were locked up. Uh, he was a very brave man in that way. And that's one of the reasons why uh, Ireland turned uh, their back on O'Casey uh, in the later part of his life. And did he did he flee to England or... Was it? No, he didn't. I know there was love involved, did you? But the, he, no, he uh, after um, just after the uh, the riots at the Abbey in 1926, he was invited over to England for the uh, opening in England of uh, Juno and the Peacock. Mm-hmm. Right, a, a few months later, and he kept on his. Uh, his room in okay. the Cir- in the North Circular Road, yeah. with every intention of coming back, and but as he said in the A, if, you know, if I'm not loved at home, at least they like me over here. And he met uh, Eileen Carey, a young actress who was an understudy in the play, fell in love, and a year later, in 1927, uh, they were married. So mm. there were all sorts of reasons why he stayed there, but it wasn't. He didn't leave. Uh, he didn't leave in anger. He left with the intention of coming back. 
Yeah, and then I, I drove, every time I drive by that house on the North Circular Road, Paul. Yeah. Where he wrote, and you can look, I looked up into the room the other night, there's a 60-inch a uh, television on the wall. Obviously, <laughs> obviously it's in flats or something. But that's the yeah. room. That's the room where Sean O'Casey yeah. wrote. Didn't he write the trilogy there, effectively? He wrote the trilogy there. That, that is a national indeed. monument. Yeah, yeah, it is. With a 50-inch flat the, screen. <laughs> there was talk and, like, about yeah. two years ago. I remember that. The, the corporation or Dublin City Council or whatever they call themselves now uh, would buy the place. Um, now, it, it's a difficult one to know what to do. Um, do they turn it into a museum? Or one proposal, which I, I have a lot of affinity with, and I think O'Casey would agree with it, that it should be bought and used as a house for homeless people. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a great tribute to O'Casey, and one he would have loved. Uh, or else, I agree 100%, Paul. Or um, else, as, as an artist's um, residence... Five or six apartments for artists. I know for homeless, is a totally agree in that sense. But I just, yeah. I just think it's such, um, yeah, it's such an oracle as a building. It's a volcano of a building in terms of what it yeah. produced. I know it was O'Casey that, that was the lava that came out of it. But I just think it's. But anyway, that that speaks a lot as well about how we how we remember uh, O'Casey. I really, I really do. And um, where's Mary, uh, Mary Gibson? Mary, what play did you put on? Joe, it was in 1973. Okay. And a parish priest put the play on. Okay. And we rehearsed it every week for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it eventually went on to the Father Matthew Hall. Ah, great, yeah. And I was Captain Boyle. Oh, well done. Captain. Captain Boyle. Yeah. Now, at the time, which was 1973, I was pregnant, mm-hmm. and nobody knew. Okay. So I was supposed to, I was playing the drunk. Just say Captain Boyle was a uh, drunk. Yeah. I and <laughs> I, I actually had to fall. Oh, good luck. Down on the stage. Right. And some, one of the women out of the club told the priest at the side of the court and at the court in there and he ran out on <laughs> he ran out onto the stage and lifted me up. But like it was like at that time it was yeah. it was great because it was we had something to do every week. We right, rehearsed yeah. and the laughs now I have to tell you Joe, we did have some laughs doing it. But I've never actually seen the play myself. Have you not known? No, I haven't. And I would love, I would re- I'm 84 now. Mm-hmm. And I would love to go and see it. I have a photograph um, of the whole ladies' club taken in the school where we used to rehearse okay. after the play. And, but we really enjoyed the play. No, By the we way, really did. Mary, how's the baby? Oh, the baby is 50. Oh, thank God. Yeah, my, I was, you had my heart crossed away. You weren't referring to that. But, and what did you call the baby? Oh, <laughs> I called, <laughs> oh my God, I called her Maria. 
Maria. And okay. she was 50 only a couple of weeks ago. Isn't that magnificent? Promise and did you tell God, her, no, have I'm you ever told her that before she was born, she was on the stage? Oh, I did. I Good did. Stuff. I told her she was on the floor as well. <laughs> yeah, I did. But like, uh-huh. it, you know, I'm just sitting here listening to you, Joe. And it just brings back so many memories. Yeah. Such, you know, and, and you the been, play you, was yeah. fantastic. And we got a standing ovation. And I remember there was an article in the paper the next day. And they, they were uh, commenting on the acting, you know. How good. Oh, great. You got and good. they said you, you, they, they liked my style. Brilliant. And why, why not, did you, was it, were all the parts women? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh brilliant. Just, brilliant. Oh, just the ladies' club, yeah. Oh, Mary, but just, well, then you're well, you're well ahead of your time because the recent production of Brendan Behan's Borsal Boy in the Abbey, every single part in that play which is set, as you know, in Mountjoy Jail. Every single part was played by uh, a, a woman. Yeah. That was, that was, and that's, that's 50 years later, so you're well ahead of your time. And did you keep up the play acting, as the fella said, Mary? No. Did you keep up the play I acting? <laughs> I left after the baby was born, <laughs> you know, but like, okay. I'm just sitting here listening and it's just bring back so many Well, memories. it's 100 years next Sunday. It'll be 100 years, 19, March 3, 1924, uh, when the first production of June on the Paycock was put on. Not too far from Father Matthew Hall, down there in Brunswick Street. Uh, it was ch- okay. down in, 1920, in the Abbey, as it was then, at that location. Mary, thanks a million. That's Mary. Get Mary Maguire. Make way for Mary Maguire. Mary. Yeah, hello, Joe. How are you? Good. You're, you, you love theatre. I do. I do love them. I love, love. Okay, so I absolutely love him. Yeah. I've been to every one of his productions, or I tried to get to every one of his plays when they put them on, and I can read the play and get pleasure every time I read it. Yeah, his yeah. different works, but just it's just the richness and the every time you read it, there's a bit that you haven't taken before. You see another another piece of character that you hadn't spotted and it's just it's just giving it's a, it gives all the time O'Casey's work yeah beautiful and, and co- I would yeah yeah and um, just while I'm speaking to you we were at the Gaiety last night oh, my husband, husband and another great author um, John B oh, ma- magnificent say five was on and again I couldn't speak highly enough it was just yeah. The richness of language again, and yeah. the insight into personalities and the recognisable personalities that we saw years years ago or so growing up. I remember just, when Je- when John B. Keane wrote Sive in nineteen fifty eight fifty nine. Remember, yeah. he the story of him writing it is he went. Lestol was always a great a great uh, uh, fireplace right, for yeah, for yeah. great nurture of, of amateur dramatic. And he yeah, went to see yeah. a play and he came home. And I think yeah. at that stage he had the pub and he sat down, uh, his wife went to bed and he, uh, John B. Keane sat down with a pint, as was his wont, and he wrote the first act of Sive. And he had the whole play <laughs> written within four weeks. A, 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 a masterpiece. And it was con- it is, it is, it is. and it was controversial then, and you know why, Mary, in the uh, world, in yeah, that mad world yeah. that was in yes, Ireland by the church yeah, and all that carry yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, but it's a great yeah. production. It's a great production. Uh, and really it, is. Yes, it really is. A, it's a brilliant production, and every one of mm. them were just 
spectacular. Acting was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And my head was just full of the the words and the richness of the personalities. The, yeah. all, all night was just ringing with the Sentences are and you can't be you can't you can't beat live drama. No, you just we can't. have we have such fantastic. Yes, please supported. Um, yeah, from our Viking theatres to yeah. the Drake to all the different yeah. Newbridge all around the yeah. country. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks to um, Mary McGuire, Paul O'Brien. Why, like, why did the church take a scunder to O'Casey? Uh, go back to he stood up. He, he stood up to the church. I mean, if you look at his, uh, you know, the plays that he wrote in the 1940s and 1950s, you know, the drums of Father Ned, the bishop's bonfire, uh, etc. Uh, here you have the people who are beaten down uh, by the church and by the local gombeans uh, mm-hmm. actually trying to stand up to them. And this wasn't going to be tolerated in Ireland in, 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 in the 1950s. Um, so, O'Casey was uh, browbeaten. He, he was denounced, you know, in, in various uh, Catholic newspapers and in the mainstream newspapers. Those plays were not produced in Ireland. Uh, okay. And fair dues to Cyril Cusack. In 1955, he put on the drums of Father Ned. And it, once again, mm-hmm. there were uh, crowds, out, right-wing crowds uh, outside that demanding that the play be closed down. Okay. okay. In one sense, in one sense, you say, isn't it magnificent that people were so interested in drama and they regarded it as so important that they would yeah. try and stop it. Tom Cleary, Tom, come in. You, 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 you've a, you want to make a point? Are you checking me? Tom, or are you checking? Not, okay. It's not Joe. It's not Tom Cleary. Everybody makes that mistake. And mm. Cleary, K E A R Y. Oh yeah, I'm just okay. I'm reading it here. Yeah, Tom Cleary. Okay, Tom. Yes. Proceed, yeah, Tom. Tom. Your uh, point, please. It's a good point. I see it there. The point I want to make is that uh, Sean O'Casey was born a Protestant. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, a lot of people don't know this, and his parents converted to uh, Catholicism, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he, uh, you know, uh, the background, his whole background uh, is obviously rooted in that. So mm-hmm. uh, that is the only point I want to make. So you, you're saying he couldn't have turned his back on the church because he wasn't a member of the Catholic Church? He, exactly. Well, he was. He, he was probably yeah. born a Catholic. But, he, it, 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 you know, when you say he turned his back on the church, you should also be saying that his background was Protestant. But then, okay, how Protestant was yeah. it? Was, was he Protestant? Were his parents proselytized? And did it come about because of that? Or, yeah. you know, how did, how did the name Casey come about? Because they changed their name from Casey to O'Casey. That's true, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's all I want to say about yeah, the job. Point, point well I, made. And do you like his plays, Tom? Oh, yes, yeah. yeah well, that's I amazing. lived in Dublin for a number of years, so <laughs> I have great affection for Dublin. Yeah, oh, he's, there's, no, there's no one better in in uh, in collecting and memorialising a different world, a different world, but it's an incredible, an incredible mm. vernacular, incredible language, incredible phrases from from his place. Thanks, thanks, Tom. Back after this break. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. We're talking about Sean O'Casey because Joe Mooney has contacted us of the Sean O'Casey Centre in Eastwall in Dublin and they are trying to get a, a group of any shape, nature, description, uh, composition to 
put on a performance of Sean O'Casey's Red Roses for me for their festival, which is on every September. And they, they as you heard Joe earlier, if you're looking up to hear him, it's set in 1911. Um, Jim Larkin is in the background and it's very autobiographical, but it's seldom put on. And that's why, Joe, it's a long, it's a long, it's, it's, a, it's a long shot. Um, did anyone come in and tell me who was in the uh, radio? This is Sean O'Casey and Barry Fitzgerald, the great Barry Fitzgerald of Hollywood subsequently and the Abbey originally singing When the Robins Nest Again. And now, Barry, we talked a lot. And I think it's nearly time we took a little rest and headed at the rest with a drink. But before we do that, I'd love you to give a little think of to that song that you used to sing in the centre of the first act of the play. When the robins nest again. When the robins nest again. And the flowers are in bloom. When the springtime sunny smiles seem to banish all sorrow and gloom. Then my bonny blue eyed lad, if you had to be true to them, as a promised will come back to me. When the robins nest again. Paul O'Brien, you can help me here. I think that's that's Barry Fitzgerald, obviously, and Sean O'Casey. But it's when Barry Fitzgerald, I think, visited Sean O'Casey in Devon. And that's he was correct. in his office and the two of them sang. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Oh, that's correct, yeah. God, that, that was a recording that was made, I think, for an American uh, uh, radio show or TV show. I'm not a hundred... It may have been a film, but, yeah, you're right. It was down in Devon. And just one, one thing which I think is worth saying is that uh, O'Casey had a great love of music, and most of his plays have music and songs in it. And uh, sometime in, I think it was the 70s, Paul Brady and John Kavanagh brought out an LP wow. of O'Casey's ballads and songs. Mm-hmm. And um, it's certainly worth a listen. Anyone who likes O'Casey or likes the old ballad tradition, uh, it, it's certainly worth a listen to. OK, OK. Um, Joe, we've, we've no one... Um, we've no one. Brendan Caldwell texts in to say it was Noel Porcel in that first, that first clip we played with Joxer and the captain. Can we play a bit of it again? Noel Porcel and someone else said, was Ray McAnally in it? And, and Mick O'Brien, the, 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 yes, no, it's number, it's number uh, come three. Along, number three. Come along, Joxer, my older son. Come along, come on, that's it. Oh, you, you be yourself, huh? Come on in, come on in. Uh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm master now and I'm going to remain master. I just dropped in with a three pounds five that Mrs. Madigan is on the blankets on table for you. And she says you're to be in no hurry paying it back. Well, no, she won't have long to wait for doubters. I expect the first check for a couple of hundred any day. And uh, here, Jeff, there's, there's, there's five oh, copies. Oh, no, I'll no, go no, on, take it, it, man. Take it, take it. Paul, 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 I don't know. Can you identify? It? Is, is that Noel Porcel? It seems, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it sounds resident, like him yeah, very much. Okay, now, okay. now I, I don't know, haven't had it put into my head, I'm saying that, but certainly I can detect his sounds in there. Okay. I'm not sure about Ray McAnally. He's more northern. Yeah, more, that uh, was a brilliant actor. More Dunny, he was from Donegal. Oh. Roy Willoughby, Roy, formerly of this parish. Roy, again, another nugget of information you have for about your grandfather, who was in the DMP, am I right? 
That's right, Joe. Yeah. yeah. In fact, he, he served in the DMP and then went and finished as a chief superintendent in the Guards, which are 1929. Um, but yeah, I, I, he saved Sean O'Casey's life. Right. And uh, O'Casey mentions it in his Drums Under the Windows autobiography. Okay. Um, and in fact, I have the quote here. Then a helmet inspector stepped out from a group standing at the pillar and had said sharply to the drunken ruffians, let him go, let him go. And Sean had recognised the voice of Inspector Willoughby. The inspector had saved his life. Brilliant. So why, you ask? Yes. Um, well, uh, uh, my uh, uh, Sean was responsible for setting up the uh, Fintanola pipe band uh, okay. during, uh, as part of the Citizen Army. Okay. And one day, it was being marched down Henry Street and towards Mary Street, past the church, which is now called the Church Pub, but was a Church of Ireland church, and, and was the church where O'Casey, it was mentioned there, he was born into the Church of Ireland. He yeah. was actually uh, 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 baptised there. But anyway, the okay. rule was that if there was a service going on in the church, that any band marching should, should stop about 100 yards on either side of the church in respect. Mm. But O'Casey said, ah, lads, don't worry, play away, uh, play away. And they did. And the the the, um, the output of that was that um, my grandfather had to serve a summons on OKC, and he went round possibly to the house you mentioned on. I don't know whether he was living there in 1913 during the lockout. This is all lockout time. Okay. But he had to go around to his house and serve the summons. OKC invited him in. They had a cup of tea. They both had a love of the Irish language. They both had a love of books. And uh, they left with a mutual respect for each other, but uh, the summons were served. And then a few days later, after the funeral of, and this is ironic really, a funeral of one of the guys who who lost his life after the uh, Bloody Sunday, after uh, Jim Larkin had had uh, spoken in O'Connell Street, okay. and uh, the DMP then uh, had to bat and charge the crowd. One of those guys was being buried at the funeral, and it was going down Sackville Street. O'Casey was on the corner of Oak, uh, Sackville Street and Henry Street, and he was picked up by those two drunken uh, policemen. There were wet stations in those days. Uh, policemen could drink and go on duty then. Good luck. And uh, he was being frog-marched off, possibly to Store Street, uh, station, which was a wet station, I'm told, and suddenly he heard the booming voice of Inspector Willoughby saying, "Put that man down," and uh, he looked up, recognised him, and uh, so. Uh, yeah, he, but, he but, but Roy, Roy, did your grandfather not arrest Jim Larkin? Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> that is true. I, speak I, I, freely. I say I'm okay. proud of the fact that he saved Sean O'Casey's uh, okay. life, but I'm okay. so proud of the fact that he arrested. And those two incidents are related because uh, okay, um, Larkin was arrested from, for, for uh, making a speech from the Imperial Hotel. Yeah. Um, there is that famous picture of the arrest of my grandfather, okay, yeah, yeah. The, the policeman on the very right of, of Larkin being arrested. Uh, and then uh, a couple of days, well, um, following that arrest, okay. um, there were the riots in, in, um, in uh, O'Connell Street. And on a call, and I have to, Roy, Roy uh, okay, Roy, I have to go. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm way right. up. Brilliant yeah, to hear from you, Roy, Joe. the great Roy Willoughby. Joe at rt.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy. 
Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Now, say 85% of the booklets referendum commission have been delivered. They all have to be delivered by this coming Friday. And polling cards, they say we are still on say We're still receiving polling cards as late as today from the commission's printers and deliveries will continue until Friday. Sound Caro O'Hare, Research Richie Byrne, producer Nettie Egan, Ray Darcy next. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie. 